Welcome to Experiencing God's Goodness. My name is Michelle Corgett, and today I want to invite you to join me as we hear stories of how individuals have walked through some incredibly difficult times and found God waiting for them in the middle of their darkest hour. We will hear some awesome testimonies of how God has shown up time and time again in the lives of these individuals and how they have experienced God's goodness. I would like to welcome Catherine to the podcast today. Catherine, hi. hi. Um, I'm so glad you could join us. We are talking today about really the struggles that you've gone through with your youngest child. And so I'm going to have you tell your story in just a few minutes, but I'm going to set it up a little bit. You have two children and they are still young. They are still elementary age. Yeah. Uh, But you had your firstborn was a little girl. Mm -hmm. And then uh, how much older is your daughter than your son? So Kylie is 12 years old. She was about two and a half, a little over two and a half when Case was born. Okay. Yeah. So Case comes along and now you have, you know, your perfect little yeah. family. Um, I know since a then. A boy you, and a girl. A boy and a girl. <laughs> you even got a dog since then. So you have your yes. 2.3 kids, really. Well, we have two dogs. So we have two dogs <laughs> yes. now. Uh, so yeah, now we have bigger than 2.3, it feels like. <laughs> when did you realize that there was an issue with Case? When I was pregnant with Case, The doctor did mention I had a lot of fluid. He wasn't moving around as much as Kylie did in the womb. However, this could mean nothing or it could mean something. I had a lot of fluid with Kylie. It wasn't something that was new for my pregnancies. So at first, I kind of just, you know, wanted to believe, oh, this is just normal for me. I'm, I was a little, um, high strung, I think, with my first pregnancy and my first child and wanting to have everything perfect. And I feel like God really had to break some of that and take some of those things out of my life. And so I was entering the second pregnancy saying, oh, I'm going to be like a chill mom, super. This is going to go easy. I'm not going to worry about any of these things. And I remember the doctor, you know, saying, do you want to do we can do all these different tests when you're pregnant just to make sure. And I just thought, no, you know, whatever God wants. And I'm sure God wants everything to be fine. So it's going to be fine. (laughs) And the doctor asked me, well, what are you going to do if your child has any type of special needs? And I said, well, we'll be fine. We'll take care of him and it'll be fine. And so he said, okay. And that was kind of the last conversation that we had. I did, because I have Hashimoto's disease, I did have to go in for checks twice a week. And so I thought, oh, we're being checked and everything's fine. When Case was born, he wasn't breathing and it was scary. But again, I just felt like I had this peace come over me. It's it's going to be fine. In my mind, it's going to be fine when God gives me that peace. It means it's going to be easy. (laughs) And that's not, I don't know that that's what that piece means all of the time. But we had a nurse in our delivery room who was amazing. And she said at the last hospital that I worked at, I was the nurse that was called in if a child wasn't breathing. And so she was there immediately. The doctors checked him over. 
they didn't really understand why that happened, but there was nothing physically that was leading any of us to believe that there was something wrong. Um, he did have a hard time nursing, but they all kind of just said, oh, some babies just, you know, have a harder time being introduced to the world and learning all the things. And a lot of times a week or two in, they just kind of wake up and everything's fine. So I hung on to that and again, just feeling like everything was going to be okay. And about two months in at one of his well baby checks, his vision just was not coming in. And the doctor noticed, and I had noticed because I had had a child before, and so I kind of knew what the general progression was. I know every kid is different, but so we were a little bit concerned with that. We were supposed to come back in at four months, and hopefully his vision would have gotten better. But at three months, I called the doctor and I said, this this is not right. There are things going on that are just not right. So we went in. We went to see a genetic specialist, and she looked him over and said, there's nothing, no physical indication that he has any type of genetic disorder. I would hope to believe that, you know, there's nothing going on besides a little bit of maybe failure to thrive a little bit, but, you know, it seems like he's doing okay. So we did the genetic testing, and at four months, I remember coming home from a Tuesday morning Bible study Case and Kylie were taking naps, and the genetic specialist's assistant called me and said, Hi, I just wanted to let you know the genetic testing came back. Your son is missing 14 genes on his fifth chromosome. It's called 5Q14.3 microdeletion syndrome. He may start having seizures. He could have cerebral palsy-like condition, or he could have none of that. We're not really sure. Bye, have a good day. <laughs> that was wow. kind of, yeah. <laughs> and so I remember immediately calling my husband who he didn't, he was at work and he wasn't, he didn't answer the phone. I called my mom and she came over and I just cried again, feeling sad, but also that peace that it's going to be okay. And again, I think mistaking it's going to be okay with like, with it's going to be easy or this isn't true you know God's just testing me or you know I'm seeing if I'll have faith through this I mean I stayed up all night <laughs> um, and I just started researching I couldn't really find anything um, that was the other thing the genetic specialist assistant had told me was that we don't have really any information on other patients um, what the lifespan will be, any of that kind of stuff. So I was researching, I think somewhere between like two and four in the morning, I found a Facebook group with this deletion and I looked at it and I just was shocked. I couldn't believe, you know, these kids, there's a wide range. There are kids, some kids that can walk and some that have a few words, but the majority of the kids were fully dependent, wheelchair-bound, um, needed assistance with feeding and diapering and all of the things. And I just could not believe that that was what was going to happen to with Case. A lot of the questions and comments about seizures, I just thought, I can't do this. 
it was around that time Kay started having some twitching going on. I remember sitting in church and he just kept twitching and I was concerned and the doctor said it could be uh, myoclonus, which is a type of seizure. I didn't even know. I thought there was one type of seizure <laughs> when there are so many different types of seizures. And then he progressed to having grand malls and all of that kind of stuff. And so we started down the road of medications and our story kind of progressed from there. Right. So was there ever a time that you just felt completely discouraged in all of that? Yes. <laughs> I remember laying in bed when Kay started having seizures and I was so afraid to sleep and I remember thinking in my head, God, I know that I cannot do this. I can't do this. And, you know, if if Case is going to die, go ahead and take him. I, I can't do, I can't, like, keep living like this, you know, wondering if he's going to die or what's going to happen or this is too hard. I just, I can't do this. And I remember God saying to me, you know, I, I gave him to you. You love him so much, but I love him more. And I want you to fall in love with him. I think that was something else too, was I was so scared. I was so scared to fall in love with him because I thought God was going to take him from me. When you felt that God was saying it's okay to fall in love with him, was that a green light that made it easy or was it still difficult? In that moment, I felt like I had to make a decision and really decide, do I believe Do I believe that God works all things for good? Do I believe that you know God can gl- be glorified in all of this? And do I believe in God, really? Do I, do I have faith or do I not? And I remember thinking, okay, God, I believe you. And I felt like it was the first time. It was only for a couple hours because Case was pretty much up all night for years. But it was the first time I was able to fall asleep and know that whatever happened in the morning, God was going to be there with me. And it was, it was going to be okay. And that piece was different than, you know, the piece of okay, God's giving me peace. It's all going to be okay. It was more, it's not going to be okay, but I'm going to give you peace through it, and I'm going to be with you through it. How old was he around this time? I would say he was probably five or six months when he started having a lot of his seizures. And what was hard even in that time was that I had two children at home, and he really would have, like, his biggest seizures when nobody else was home. And so my husband never saw him not breathing. You know, there was really, there was nobody else. And I do remember at one point feeling like the medications aren't working, nothing's working, I'm completely overwhelmed, and Kylie was calling for me. Case was screaming. He had been screaming for like 10 hours straight. 
I couldn't find any way to calm him down. He was either having a seizure or he was crying. And I remember hiding in the kitchen <laughs> and thinking, I don't know, God, I just need to hide for a minute. I can't, I can't do this. And just feeling completely overwhelmed. And I think I've shared this story on Facebook before, but I feel like God really during this time started providing for me in ways that were very, very supernatural and very specific to me. And I remember looking out the window and it was the strangest thing. There was a big tree outside and it looked like someone had scraped the bark off of the tree. So it was bright orange and it was in the shape of a cross. And I remember seeing that cross and just crying and knowing that God was with me. And just because my husband wasn't there, just because I felt alone, it didn't mean that I was. I remember in that moment just thinking, okay, God, I, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and so every day during Kylie's nap, whether Case was laying next to me crying or I was holding him while he was having a seizure, we would listen to a specific worship song, um, More Feet May Fail. And it's a long, it's like, I think the full song is 11, eight or 11 minutes or something like that. And I would cry during that time. That was my cry time. <laughs> and then I would pray and read the Bible and journal. And truthfully, I felt like the Bible just started to come alive for me. And God really started speaking to me through this time. And it also was a time that we had to start making some big decisions for case medically. And and it was a challenging and, and beginning to be an exciting time where I thought a child that has such severe special needs in my mind before this I didn't understand why God would do that. I did not understand. It was nothing that I sought out to look into or anything like that. I just was, okay, I'm so glad that's not me. But it was really the point where God started to really use Case. And I saw this little boy who can't do anything for himself. God was being glorified and magnified in ways that could have never I could never have imagined would have been possible. Around that time, um, because none of the medications were working, we did start looking into um, alternative medicine. I had a friend bring up cannabis to us, and or to me, and I remember thinking, I, I can see why a parent would want to do that, but I want to go down every pharmaceutical route possible because that seems like such crazy. <laughs> I, I can't imagine having to be your child's own doctor and having to, you know, try to come up with your own doses and try to figure out, you know, what's working and not working. As we moved further in with a lot of our doctors, we had one of our neurologists who was a Christian, and he was like, look, Catherine, he's like, we're basically looking at the brain still from outer space if you compare it to, you know, planets and then continents and <laughs> countries, 
he's like, we can't see, we can't even see what's going on in the different states. We can't even see what's going on in the different cities. We have no idea what's going on in the homes. He goes, we are guessing. And in that moment, I remember thinking, they're guessing? Well, why shouldn't I guess? You know, if this is not working. I remember sitting with Case at 2 in the morning trying to do therapy with him because that's when he was awake. And I remember thinking, he is so out of his mind right now. He'd be like this. At this point, his eyes were going two different directions. He just could barely eat or drink or anything. All of He couldn't function. And so I told my husband, we need to try, we need to try cannabis. And I called someone that I knew and I went to his house and I got some (laughs) and I came home and we gave some to Case and I thought, okay, it's going to be magic. And it wasn't. (laughs) Um, But we slowly started weaning him off all of his pharmaceuticals and using cannabis CBD oil only. Over the next year, the seizures got worse, but I remember praying and I 100%, it was one of the first times I fully felt like God was very clear with, you need to move forward with this. It's going to get worse before it gets better and you need to have faith. And I remember all of our doctors saying, this is a bad idea. I remember a doctor calling me crazy and just having this, I know you don't understand, but I believe that this is what God has told us to do. And after about a year, I felt like we got case. We got who he actually is. And we were told he was probably never going to smile. And we had specific prayer warriors praying over his smile And we had prayer warriors in our life, you know, praying over the different needs in his life. And as all the medication came off, he started smiling and laughing and engaging with the world around him. It felt like the first miracle, you know, the first time that we caught a glimpse of, okay, God, you do want good things for us. And it may not look like what we want or what we need but I'm starting to not even have those thoughts of what would it look like if it wasn't like this it was this is amazing you know this is so amazing to be part of this community and learning really for the first time to have compassion with people and to love someone that's not gonna love you back in the way that you know the world would think that that needs to look My husband and I felt like because of what we saw that we needed to help our community change some of the laws and change some of the restrictions. And I really felt like God was telling me that we needed to move forward in helping. And I started helping so much that it was overwhelming with being home with the kids and then trying to do that. And I told my husband, you have to take something. I'm doing, I'm doing, he was working and he was doing so much, but I was just having one of those moments of I'm doing all the things and I can't, I need you to take something. And so he took on the cannabis part. And then I really felt, started feeling like God was telling me that he needed to do that full time, which was 
very scary and very, if you knew me before, <laughs> you know, when I was younger, I was, you know, very straight laced, not, I don't know, none of this would have made sense for my life. <laughs> but I wanted, I wanted my husband to pray about it and to feel the same. I didn't want, I didn't want him to rely on what I was saying and I didn't want him I wanted him to hear God, you know, and, and I wanted to make sure that what I was hearing was God. I think I needed some, I don't know. Yes, it felt very not, I don't know. And so my husband was extremely reluctant. He was, he felt like it was what he needed to do, but he felt like it was the wrong thing for our family. It was very confusing. And he said, I'm just worried that if I didn't do this the rest of my life, you know, would I be able to even go back into teaching? Would they let me after doing something like this? You know, what would retirement look like? What would all these things? And so I said, why don't you just go to the district office and ask? And so he went to the superintendent and we had both taught in this district and the superintendent said, Mike, I believe what you're doing is the right thing. And go ahead and take three years off and then you can have your job back if you want it back after three years. And Mike came home just super excited and it just felt like a huge confirmation in what we needed to do. And so what we saw was how God started to use Case and his issues to really start helping people. And we were able to meet with a lot of families that felt like there was no hope There was a lot of people that were in extreme pain that we saw gain relief and people that were having seizures all of the time that gained relief. And it wasn't that it was magic or completely healing for everyone, but we just started to see how God could use Case to really move us forward in what some of our purposes were. So... As your family, specifically you and your husband, move forward in this, were there, were you able to change some some laws in this county or? Yeah, I would say that Mike was able to meet with a lot of different politicians in the area and there were some big changes made. And as things became legalized, Mike was able to help with some of the restrictions, lifting restrictions and adding restrictions and trying to make it so as much as possible, (laughs) you know, people weren't abusing it. People can abuse anything, um, and they will, but the people that needed it for help were being able to gain access through that. And, and like I said, it was really one of the first times I, my women's, leader at church at the time had challenged me to look at Jairus in the Bible and look at what he did when he sought out Jesus to come heal his daughter who was dying. Through that interaction and through Jairus trying to get Jesus to his daughter through the crowds, there were people that were healed in the process. Jairus's story didn't look like he wanted it to because his daughter died. (laughs) Because his daughter died, he thought, well, all hope is lost. You know, I don't know how many times I've thought, okay, God, you're going to use Case as a vessel for everyone else's good, 
but we're not going to get to see the things that we want to see. Those are definitely things I have to lay down my desires daily, but I think that God has miracles for us, and I think that he wants us to continue to ask him and continue to pray and continue to hope for miracles. So how have you dealt with or have you come across criticism from people of the church or how does how have they received what you guys are doing you know we really haven't I felt like when we started the journey it was very clear to me that God was like just be open with your story the whole time it's nothing that needs to be hidden you're not doing anything that I'm not asking you to do people saw what was going on with Case they had been praying for miracles for him and it was something that was giving him relief and there was a lot of people in the church who started asking questions not to say I'm sure I know that there probably was people (laughs) in the church who in our church specifically who didn't think it was the right thing but they didn't really verbalize that to us Uh, We did have people in the community, obviously, who I remember sitting in a doctor's office waiting for Case's physical therapy appointment at Kaiser and a lady holding up a newspaper going, oh, my goodness, there's all these retards going down to the city hall asking to use marijuana and they just want to get high. And I remember thinking, oh, bless her heart. She has no idea (laughs) what it's like. But I felt like God gave me compassion. I don't know what. I don't know what you're going through and you don't fully understand what I'm going through, but we both have pain. We both have scary things in our lives. And I felt like God started to open my eyes, which was a miracle to me to not get angry when people disagreed with me, but just think it's good that this isn't your burden. (laughs) God gives us what we can handle. And you know what's funny is people started saying that to me. And I remember thinking, no, God definitely doesn't give me what I can handle. I cannot handle this, but he gives me what he can handle. And he is the one (laughs) who changed my heart towards a lot of people who I think would have broken my heart if it wasn't for him. So Case today is his seizures are somewhat under control. He is still nonverbal and not ambulatory. He doesn't walk. How do you cope with that every day? Well, I think that God gave me a lot of revelations in the beginning, and he very much encouraged me through the body of Christ and through his word. We've never been alone. Thank God. We've had so many people that have helped care for us, provide house cleaning for us, doing all the things. During COVID, when I was alone, alone, I feel like I started processing through, oh, this is what, this is what it looks like for a lot of special needs families. This is so lonely. Mike was gone a lot for work during that time. And I was home alone with the kids again, but I didn't have a lot of community surrounding us. And it was just, just me and God, (laughs) which is all that I need, but I think that he provides those other things because he knows that 
our our flesh needs we need each other i mean he designed us that way so it's it's what makes sense i think that i started processing some of the trauma that i had gone through some of the things that i had seen case in the hospital uh, they could never find his veins so there was always blood everywhere some of his seizures were massively scary and God had held me tight through that time, but it was a time that I realized that I, I need help. You know, I need to start praying. Well, I, I, okay. I think what it was, was when other started, people started complaining about, oh, I can't go to Starbucks. Oh, I can't do this. And I feel like the devil started putting those thoughts in my head of that's what they're complaining about. That's what their biggest thing. Oh, their kids can't go to school. Oh, poor thing. They have kids that can walk and do all the things at home. You know, I, I think I, I had a moment where as much as I hated it, I, I think it was time for me to start processing some of the, the feelings, the emotions that went through it, that went through me. And I started not being able to sleep at night and I did, I did eventually find EMDR therapy helped me. So one thing you mentioned earlier was that moment you were sitting in the kitchen hiding. You know, there might be moms listening today and maybe their children are healthy and happy, but they're still feeling overwhelmed and they may be listening to this and go, Oh, my life isn't as, as complicated as Catherine's was, but what would you want moms to know about being in that moment of desperation and exhaustion and feeling so overwhelmed? Well, first I have to say that I think that I've had the feelings of being overwhelmed prior to case I think that those feelings and emotions can happen to anyone at any time. It's not like this was the, I just, I had something I could point at and say, this is, this is so much more than what everyone else is dealing with. Where sometimes I think we feel those overwhelmed feelings and we say, but there's other people that are just like this. And I'm not, I'm not allowed to feel overwhelmed because other people appear that they can handle things and I think that God does bring us to those moments of feeling overwhelmed because he does want to remind us that we need him and he does want us to the the devil tries to get to you and all you can do is allow yourself in those moments to pray because when the devil gets to you, he brings you to your knees and then it's all for the glory of God. And it's not, the devil doesn't win and he doesn't win in the end. And we know that, but it's still hard on this earth because this isn't the way it's meant to be. Our children are humans. And as much as we want them to turn out perfectly and as much as we're going to fail. And I remember people saying this to me, like, you're going to fail as a mom and I thought, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to do it perfect. <laughs> but you're not. It's, it is something that we 
we all deal with and we all have our own stories and we all have our own little people that cause their own little dramas and it's hard and my heart goes out to all the moms out there and everyone that has has life. <laughs> so the next question I have for you though is what would you want the moms to know or the families to know that do have a child struggling that have a child that doesn't fit the cookie cutter that we had hoped and dreamt our child would be so god gave me this verse it's 2 corinthians 12 7 through 10 i believe that it makes most sense in the message ver- version for families like mine It says, because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he, in fact, did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift, and I begged God to remove it. Three times I did that, and then he told me, My grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and I began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. And I think that for some of our families, some of the gifts that we have is that we do get to change the culture around us. And I think that the boundaries that God puts on that is it's not us, it's him. And we need to be in constant communication with God because it can easily turn into a Moses-type situation when he's about to enter the promised land and he is annoyed (laughs) and frustrated, you know, and he strikes the rock rather than speaking to the rock. He strikes it and asks for water. God blesses the Israelites with water. But because of the fact that he did it in that way, God graciously still lets him see the promised land, but he doesn't enter it. And I think that special needs parents can, and I've been there myself, can easily go into angry, we deserve justice mode. And that's not where God wants us. He wants us to change the culture and he wants us to allow our kids to be in the community because cultures with children that have special needs, when they have children with special needs that are present in culture and out in the culture, they have a higher compassion, higher, they teach the the people around them compassion and joy in ways that is not so selfish and so I believe that with all my heart that these kids really are blessed in so many ways that they don't have to take on a lot of the things 
a lot of the otherworldly things that we have to worry about and think about and compare ourselves with, they're just, they just want to be apart and we need to let them and we need to show people. I always tell my daughter, however you treat Case is how you're going to teach your friends to, t- to treat Case. And she has really learned and grown into, hi, Case, how are you? She knows he's not going to answer, but she has a lot of her friends will walk into our house and say, hi, Case, how are you? How's it going? I mean, they have full-on conversations with him. (laughs) And I think, what a gift, because I would have not known how to act around someone like Case, but, you know, when I was a child. But what a gift that he brings, and just, he's just... He's just such a sweetheart. <laughs> and I know I know there's a lot of families that deal with outbursts and and, and case my back is not strong <laughs> and case is heavy and so picking him up and doing all of the things and slowing myself down to feed him, slowing myself down to clean everything that he makes messes in and change him and do all of the things sometimes feels hard but I know that God slows me down for a reason and I know that our special needs issues are very different than a lot of other people's special needs we all have our own special situations but however God slows you down or is able to quiet you or humbles you so that you're able to ask for help that's something God is working on with me too it's a gift And God is using your child to be a gift, and we just need to trust that. Well, Catherine, I just want to thank you today for coming and sharing with us. It is such a blessing to hear about how Case is serving the Lord through his disabilities and that it is he is showing God's goodness to others about how God provides, how he is just such he's always there he's always a presence in our lives and and he's been showing that through case even though case can't talk case can't like you said earlier can't show love in the same way that maybe your daughter can but he i've seen his smile and it is precious thank you and he is just, he's glorifying God through his life. So thank you again for coming and joining us. Thank you, you, Michelle. We want to thank you for joining us in today's podcast. If you find yourself in a place where you are needing prayer, you can call the 24-hour prayer hotline at 1-800-700-7000. And we pray that you will be experiencing God's goodness.